0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Reputation. What does that word mean to you? Perhaps in your workplace or at home, it has a particular connotation. When you think of your reputation, how does it make you feel? I have always had a reputation of being hardworking. In fact, if I think about it, I have a reputation of being overly hardworking, that I push myself maybe a little too much. Why is that? Because I am always striving to keep my reputation. The minute I stop to pause... In that minute, I feel like I'm not living up to my reputation. And that causes me to feel guilty, to doubt my decisions, and sends me on a downward spiral on my thought train. I wouldn't say that having a reputation of being hardworking is necessarily a bad thing. What I would say is that when I put that reputation above my identity in Christ that is when I start to struggle. I wonder if there's anyone else here who resonates with that. Where do you fix your eyes? In Paul's letter to the Philippians, we see that he had a good CV in terms of living a life in the Jewish world. In the verses just before this passage for today, Paul writes that he was circumcised that he was from the tribe of Benjamin, was a law-abiding Pharisee, and was faultless in how he kept those laws. Yet Paul knows that that is not enough. Paul had a great reputation among the Jews, but he had it all wrong. He was putting the things of this world above a life with Christ. So in verse 7 and 8... He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Let's imagine that right in front of me, I have a rubbish bin. What are the things about your reputation that you could easily throw into that bin? For me, I would love to throw away the fact that I reply to emails quickly. In fact, I would like to throw away the fact that we have emails altogether. What is it for you that could easily go into that rubbish bin? How about your reputation in the playground or your reputation at work? How easily could you throw those away in order to gain Christ? Probably not quite as easily. And then there's your reputation as best parent or best grandparent. Would you be able to throw that reputation away in order to gain Christ? In verse seven, Paul says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He is talking about losing everything. He doesn't want anything that will distract his walk from Jesus. He is talking about his past priorities. Paul decided to follow Jesus, which meant for him giving up all of the things that were taking his attention away from Christ. It's a matter of attitude. Paul is leaving behind his past behaviours in order that he might know Christ. He is sacrificing those priorities that are distracting him because knowing Jesus is far more important than anything else. Paul didn't want to let anything get in the way of his relationship with Christ. Paul was an upstanding man in the Jewish community, yet he threw it away in order to have that relationship with Jesus. And that is a huge sacrifice. But it's what each of us are called to do. Are we willing to throw away our reputations and our past priorities in order to gain Christ. I have recently started tap dance classes. Uh, I used to do it when I was younger, and I absolutely love it because I can be noisy with my feet, and I don't have to stand still. The way that tap classes worked when I was little was that when you started the class, you were in the back row, and as you got better, you moved forward a row and forward a row and forward a row until... You were at the top of the class, in the front row. Then you would take the exam for that class, providing you pass, move, up a grade, and start all over again. However, my priority in that class was to get to the front of the class. I didn't care about how good I actually was. My priority was keeping my reputation as moving forward quickest and not to be the best that I can be. Now, that is just a small example, and it doesn't really affect my whole life. But the priorities that I had then made sure that my reputation was always my top priority. Are there priorities that each of us need to change to make sure that nothing gets in between us and our relationship with Christ? We've got it wrong if anything, is our top priority over Jesus. Paul says that to have faith in Christ is more important than anything else. So I urge each of us to seek Christ in everything and keep him as our top priority. Now, of course, this is a process and it will take time to completely remove those past priorities from our lives. In fact, it will take Jesus to come again. But our attitude is what's important. In order to draw closer to Jesus and find joy in him, it's important to press on with the Lord. God wants to daily form us closer into Christ's image. So will each of us let him? It isn't just past behaviours and past priorities that Paul removed from his life. He also wanted to know Christ each day. Verse 10 says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. He wanted to experience God's love for him. Christ is concerned with our present experience as well as our past priorities. To gain Christ is not a static one-time occasion, bam, I know Christ and that's that. No. God will continue to transform us through the ups and the downs of life so that we might become more and more into Christ each day. Paul writes that his righteousness does not come from his, himself, but from God in verse 9. That word, righteousness, is like two sides of a coin. On one side, it is our status in Christ. We have faith in Jesus, and therefore God sees us as righteous. And on the other side, It is what is meant when we say becoming more into Christ's likeness. The term the church uses is sanctify. We are being sanctified by God in order to be more like Christ. And this is a constant process, it happens daily. Jesus not only changes our lives on the first day that we meet him, but Jesus is constantly our life changer. God moves through our present experience and that is what will bring us true joy and satisfaction. Knowing Christ as our Lord and letting him be our life changer. Christ is enough for all of us. We no longer need to rely on our reputations because Christ is enough. Paul was fully in Christ and knew that Jesus was enough for him. Jesus was Paul's permanent address. He didn't go anywhere else to seek joy and satisfaction because Jesus fulfilled his every need. Is Jesus your permanent address? Paul's example is extraordinary It's not easy to lose everything in order to gain Jesus. But if we can sacrifice the gains of this world so that we might call Jesus our home, it's worth it. Whatever you are going through, whether it's ups or downs, and whatever you go through in the future, because there will be ups and there will be downs, know that when we are in Christ Jesus, we are fully covered by his sacrifice. When we hold our hope in him, he is walking through everything with us. The darker the day, the greater is God's glory when he finds us still rejoicing. So where is your satisfaction from? Is it from Jesus, knowing that we can call our home in him? Or are we looking somewhere else? Now, I definitely know that it isn't easy to fully live a Christ-centred life all the time. We fall short of God's grace each day, yet through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are forgiven, and we are able to come to God blameless in his sight. Even Paul writes in verses 12 to 13, "'Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal,' But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Paul wasn't there yet either. Isn't that such a relief? But Paul presses on. He pursues the life which Jesus sacrificed himself for. You see, we can put our past priorities behind us, And let Jesus satisfy us in our present experience. But we have to be focused on our perfect prize that is ahead for us. Is our focus held in Jesus? Is he our perfect prize? You see, when we have faith in him, God will continue to sanctify us and draw us closer into Christ's likeness. But if we don't hold on to that perfect prize and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, then we will start to wonder. We will find our satisfaction in other things. Paul knew that he had to have faith in Jesus, and he knew that Jesus was and is the perfect prize. Verse 13 to 14 says, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind... And straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. When I was an older teenager, about 17, my vicar at the time preached on this passage. He asked one of the children in the congregation to represent Jesus and run around the church building, much like this one, down the aisles. And my vicar was meant to be following that child who was representing Jesus. However, instead of facing the child, my vicar turned his back and tried to run backwards. He fell over, he bumped into people, he was all over the place. And then he turned around and he faced the child and he followed him. And he knew exactly where to go. He fixed his eyes on him. So let's not follow Jesus by turning around and running backwards, but let's follow him by keeping our eyes fixed on him. Paul knew that if we cannot have Christ, then we have no other hope. But he also knew that it wasn't going to be a jolly holiday. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. In Tom Wright's translation, he says, Strain every nerve. It takes effort to keep Jesus as our perfect prize. We will need to push ourselves, and there will be times when we have to make a decision where we feel like the odd one out. But that's what we have to do to keep our eyes fixed on him who is our perfect prize. Where will you keep your gaze if Jesus, if, as if Jesus died yesterday, rose today and is coming back tomorrow? I know where I will strive to hold mine. But when God sees us still rejoicing through the good and the bad, his name will always be glorified. So where do you hold your hope? What, or perhaps the better question is, who is your perfect prize? Jesus Christ longs for each of us to follow him. Where will we fix our eyes? On Jesus or somewhere else? As we come to communion later, let's remember Jesus' sacrifice for us and the way he opens up for us so that we can know that he is our perfect prize. So let's turn back to him, whether for the first time or the 100th time, so that we are each ready to fix our eyes on our perfect prize. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We are sorry for the times that we have taken our eyes away from you. Help us to always keep our eyes fixed on Jesus by the help of your Holy Spirit so that we may live lives that glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.